You're listening to the Teach Them Diligently podcast, where we're all about biblical parenting and excellent home education. For more information and to access show notes and additional resources, visit us at teachthemdiligently.net. Welcome back to the podcast today. I am your host, Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. I'm excited to dive into a fundamental aspect of the heart schooling paradigm today as we talk about the simplicity of our calling. In today's conversation, David and I are going to unpack what it means to recognize your call as a heart schooler, understanding that at the core of our mission is the profound responsibility to bring our children to Jesus. As parents, we're entrusted with the sacred task of nurturing our children's faith and guiding them towards a deeper relationship with Christ. But amidst the complexities of daily life, it's really easy to lose sight of this foundational truth. So join us as we navigate through the distractions and complications that often hinder us from embracing our calling wholeheartedly. From the pressures of overscheduling to the fear of failure, we're going to address some common obstacles and provide practical insights to help you navigate this journey with confidence and clarity. One of the best ways that you're going to find to stay focused and intentional in the choices that you make as a family is to be grounded in your own convictions and to fully understand why you're doing what you're doing. David and I refer to Christian homeschooling as heart schooling because we know that our mission is, first of all, to parent our children biblically and then to use homeschooling as an incredible tool to build strong relationships and to prepare our kiddos to walk through whatever door God opens for them in the days ahead. I wrote the Heart School book to help you find the words to describe what you know in your heart you're called to do. It shows you how to set up your homeschool with the hearts of your children in mind. For we know that if we gain their minds and educate them really well, but we lose their hearts, we've lost the war. With heart schooling, though, you're going to find that focusing on the heart, first of all, strengthens your platform and your resolve for the academic side of homeschooling as well. It truly is a win-win. I invite you to check out the Heart School book today. You can get a digital copy for only $5 at teachthemdiligently.net forward slash book, or visit the show notes for a link to pick up a physical copy. I truly believe that you'll find that short book to be transformational for your family and for your homeschool. So now, grab yourself a cup of coffee, find a cozy spot, and tune in as we embark on this transformative journey together. Please don't forget to share this podcast with fellow parents and homeschoolers who may be seeking encouragement and guidance on their own path to discipleship. Together, let's equip and empower one another to fulfill our God-given calling as parents and as educators. We talk all the time about a heart-schooling paradigm of education and really the way that your entire family functions. And so as we are writing and as we are doing the podcast, we really are trying to line up each of these elements as a support of one of those marks of a heart schooler. And if you don't know what those are, you can get those on our website if you go to our podcast page. But the first mark of a heart schooler is that heart schoolers recognize their call. They recognize what is truly at the heart of what God has called them to do, which is honestly a simple thing. Because it's the same call as every other believer has. We are called to bring people to Jesus. We are his ambassadors within our homes. 
which we believe are Jerusalem, we are called to bring our children to Jesus. That is our primary call. Home education is a wonderful tool for that. And we talk about that all the time. But as a hard schooler, you are going to truly recognize your call. And today we just wanted to look at really the simplicity of that, but how so many people are actually missing that within their families, um, both homeschoolers and non-homeschoolers alike. Yeah. I mean, people get distracted so easy and it's not a hard thing to do, right? It's not something that any of us are immune to. And the reason why that is, is because these truths are really simple. When you read the Bible, I mean, the gospel is a very simple thing. We are the ones that try to complicate it. Your pursuit, right? Bringing your children to Jesus Christ is really simple. But what happens is, is that you're just assaulted on every side with all kinds of things that are starting to pull you off of that mission. It's like the entire current of the world mm-hmm. is against you focusing on this one thing or bringing your children to Jesus Christ. And so, and it's simple stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's simple stuff. I mean, I watch you during the day and you say, okay, I want to get this thing done. And you start, you have me wanting lunch. You have one of the kids wanting breakfast. You have folding the clothes. You have, you know, all of this stuff. You're getting calls from our kids that have moved out of the house (laughs) But they need your support. They want to run something by you or they want to ask you about something that is happening this evening or whatever it might be. And pretty soon you're distracted and you're pulled off. And every single mom and dad is actually faced with this. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason why it bears repeating is to continually come back to this. Okay, what is my mission? What is my mission? What am I trying to get done? What is my number one priority? Well, and honestly... Being cemented in that call, which is one of the stabilizing forces within this heart school paradigm, is that because I know that my number one call is to bring my children to Jesus, is to be available for them, is to shepherd their hearts, then all of those things, which would be distractions, and they are from my to-do list, actually become missional because I am absolutely keying in on that moment. You've got to let everything else go to the side and be right in that moment because you are pursuing doggedly that call that God has placed on your life and taking those opportunities that your children give you while they're young and still right there underfoot all the time or when they've flown and they call back in. I still am number one called to continually bring my kids to Jesus, help them learn to think biblically and so on. But sadly, a lot of families just don't think that way. And there was actually a study that came out recently that really underscored that, that was done with Awana in conjunction with Awana. Well, so Barta has put out this study recently, and it actually shows just how rare this focus on your mission is. Right, absolutely. Or at least focus on the right mission. And that's really what we're talking about here is focus on the right mission, because Whether you realize it or not, you have a mission and you can see what your mission is by how you live and what you achieve. If you wonder what somebody's goal is, what their vision is for their life, just watch and see what they are achieving. And that's going to give you a window into what they're trying to do, because that you can see what they're pursuing. Absolutely. All right. That informs your action. Absolutely. And so 
this view of bringing your children to Jesus Christ and parents taking that on as their mantle is a very rare thing, actually. And Barna actually just recently sent out research that supports just how rare this is. And they did this in, in conjunction with the one. It was just recently put out in the last, I think, like two years. Yeah, yeah, the last and couple of years. What it says is, is that like 91% of children's ministry workers in churches look to the parent as being the ones that are responsible for the discipleship. So what these children ministry workers are saying is, is that it's the parent's job to disciple the children. As the primary disciple. They say, this is your job. This is what you're supposed to be doing, and we are here to support you. But when you look at the parents, what you find is, is that only half of parents, when surveyed, actually say, and these are professing Christian parents. Mm Mm-hmm. Only half of parents say that it is their job. Yeah. And what they point to is the children's ministry workers. And they're saying that, no, church, it is your job to disciple my child. It's not my job. It is your job. And the other interesting thing that came out of that study, which I think will resonate with a lot of people listening in, is that a slightly higher percentage, like 55% of non-parent church adults, so we're talking grandparents, aunts, other adults in the church actually see the primary discipleship of your children being a function of the church. So that would explain why there's so much pressure on those of us who actually see ourselves as a primary disciple maker. We are walking against even over 50, uh, like 55, 60% of the other adults in the church, statistically, not just parents. So it really is this great divide between the way that the church views discipleship, which is actually biblical, that the parents are required or called to, yeah, are called to teach their children diligently. So the church has it right by and large, but parents and non-parent church adults are only about 50% there. And that's a huge divide. And so just to kind of circle back around to all these percentages that are well broadcast, I mean, you can go on to Google at any time and you can look at and ask the question, how many children are leaving the faith? How many children are leaving the church when they leave the home? And the numbers that you're going to get back are 60, 70, 80% of children are actually leaving the home. And we're always, as Christian parents, those numbers scare us to death. I mean, and rightfully so. When you see that number, it terrifies Mm -hmm. you. For a Christian parent that is concerned about the spirituality of their child, their child coming to Christ, and they see it as part of their mission as a parent to bring their children to Jesus Christ, when you start quoting numbers like 60, 70, 80% of Children from Christian families are now going to leave the church and leave the faith when they leave the home. That's a terrifying statistic. It is. It is. And what I'm saying is, is that part of the explanation for how many children are leaving the church and leaving the faith when they leave the home, part of the reason for that is because at least 50% of Christian parents see the role of the church as to disciple their children. Mm. They think that they are to give their children to the church and that it's their church that is to disciple the children. That actually is the reason why. And so as what we see is that we see that the solution to this problem, to reduce the number of children that are leaving the church and leaving the faith, 
the solution to that problem is for parents to engage in the mission of discipling their children and to see their home as their Jerusalem. Yep. And so that gets back to what you're talking about and recognize your call. Yeah. And you have mentioned several times before that there's a statistic that would indicate that only about 11% of children from families who are truly deeply engaged in the discipleship of their children, they're seeing that same slide, that same move away from. uh, Yeah. And that's a focus on the family study. And it comes from 2015. And what they did is that they actually dove into those numbers to say of the numbers of children that are leaving the church and leaving the faith when they leave the home. They're like, what happens here? What is going on? And what they found is, is that the vast majority of the kids that are leaving the church and leaving the faith are actually coming from homes that they describe as cultural Christians, that they're Christians in name only. And the parents never really hand down a faith. They never really spend time teaching their kids. They never spend time actually focused on actually showing up to church every single week. It's not a priority for them, Right is my point. And so that's where the mass majority of the this bleed off is coming from. But coming back to parents that are engaged in the, this is a focus on the family study still, parents that are engaged in the discipleship of their children. They're engaged in this mission that they actually earnestly desire to hand down their faith, and they are engaged in trying to do that, whatever way it may be, imperfectly so, mm-hmm. right? Some of them are not doing well, but they're trying to do this. The number's only like 11% of those families. Right. 11% of the children are leaving the faith and leaving the church when they leave the hall. Yeah. And so the numbers are drastically lower. And so again, the solution to these children, the 60, 70, 80% number, the fact that the reason why that is so high is because so many parents don't see it as their mission. They don't recognize their call. Well, and I also want, I think it would be beneficial to discuss for those that do recognize their call, because I would imagine that, that a massive portion of you who are listening into us, you recognize your call. You don't hang out with Teach Them Diligently if you don't recognize your call. However, sometimes it feels almost like there's too many complications to pursue it well. And so I want to really kind of shoot at some myths of what are these common complications and how to get around them, because to do this well you need to be able to be free of some of those things. And some of the things that get in the way of actually discipling your children and bringing them to Jesus, it really comes down to one of the things is overscheduling. We're too busy. David talks all the time about the time that you spend with your kids. And, you know, if you are at church even with, you know, doing great things, but you're there like every night of the week, you're not having dinners together. You don't have time to do, you know, have the family devotions and other things that are so impactful. And it doesn't, obviously, it doesn't have to be church functions. It's sports, it's music, it's extracurricular things. It's being involved in just all of these things because we don't want our kids to miss out when actually what our kids need the most is that time and those conversations with mom and dad, watching them do life, seeing how what they are learning is overflowing through their conversation and through the way that they are are actually ordering their days, 
that is where the impact is really, really strong. So I would encourage you really, really guard your time and be very specific with the way you schedule it. Actually, another mark of a heart schooler is that they are aligning their thinking with their mission. And this is where that really starts to come into play as you're making decisions about the things you say yes to and the things you don't. Yeah. And this is an extreme, right? right. It's not like all sports are bad. It's not like having going to church is bad. Okay. It's not like, you know, having extracurricular activities is a bad thing. We're talking about overscheduling here. This is scheduling every single minute of the day. You know, another statistic, again, that you'll find real easy is parents only spend between 34 and 45 minutes on average with their children. Of quality time. Of quality time with their children. And that's all children, all parents. That's an average number. So there's actually some that are doing less. There's some that are doing more. And they're sending their kids off to school. They are doing all these extracurricular activities. But then the other thing is, is that even when you go to church, church is separated out. And so it's based off of age. And I'm not saying, again, that it's a bad thing for children to have some of their own classes. But what I'm talking about is extreme where you go into church and you are never with your children. Right. You are never with your children at all. They never see you worship. They never see you sing. You never see them interact with their friends. It's like you're separated out. And so you need to spend time with your kids. And in order to disciple somebody, you have to be with them. Mm. Time is an important, a hugely important factor in discipleship. And it's actually a very simple thing. Right. Right. You cannot disciple somebody that you're not with. You have to be with them. You have to be engaged with them. You have to be engaged in their life. And if you are separated from them constantly and you bring cell phones into this as well, you're in the same room, but you're not actually looking right. at each other. You're not, you're not engaged. Them. You're not with them. And so you have to be with them. So over scheduling all these distractions, you have to make decisions to be together. And it has to be a conscious decision in order to do this. So that means you're going to have to say no to stuff. Yeah. And another thing on that point, there are seasons of life where this looks very different. One of the things that I struggled with as our kids were growing up was losing time, you know, especially here in the last several years as they were in college and then they had jobs and they were all helped so much. And the Lord just really impressed on my heart. That's why it was so important that we built those foundations. We spent that time so intently while they were young so that as they are getting older and they're spreading their wings and they're starting to launch like you want them to, then even though sometimes the amount of time kind of goes backwards a little bit, the quality of it is still just as good when you're together because you have built these solid foundations and now they're starting to live out their own faith. And so for those of you who are feeling the tug of that, just take heart that the foundation that you laid while they were young, the time that you spent there really pays off with the conversations and the opportunities that you have now that they're older. And so another one would be overcomplication, right? And this would be an issue with, I think it's time that you might think it's time to have devotions. And so therefore you're trying to line everything up perfectly in order to have devotions. You got to get the right book. You got to get the right curriculum. You got to get everybody to, you know, the right kind of demeanor. You have to line everything up perfectly. 
from my experience, that never happens. That, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and so, well, thing. and we've been through this. We have been through this and we've been through this thought process of, I got to go buy all these workbooks for these kids. And then I have to have like the teacher's edition and we've got to be able to get the perfect everything lined up. And so we can have devotions. And what we found is the best way to do this is just to pick up your Bible, read a passage, and then ask your kids what they think about it. And then you tell them what you think about it. And then you pray and you sing some songs. Done. That is, you just had devotions. And that is literally the most effective and the most consistent and the best way to have devotions is to just simplify this all the way down. The Bible will not return void. And it is the most powerful element in discipleship. And what you have to do is you have to insert it in and just just read it and let it go to work. And that's what we found. And again, we've been on the other side of this and we come back around while our kids were younger. We came back around to this. We're like, wait a minute, what are we doing? Hmm. Let's just pick up the Bible and read. And it could be a verse. It could be a Psalm. It could be an entire chapter. It could be uh, four chapters like the book of Jonah. It could be whatever. Just read the Bible and then talk about it. Well, and the, one of the great things that comes out of that is as you're discussing it, your children are going to see that God's word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so because it is living, every person tends to extract slightly different things. And that is a really powerful thing to understand about the Bible. When our kids were growing up, and still now when we're together to a certain degree, we would always ask our kids what they learned in church that day. And they would be sitting in the same service, and you would get different answers, different takes. And it was really, really powerful to understand that God works through the Holy Spirit to each individual. And so that act of reading scripture and discussing it helps them understand that, but it also gets them used to talking about things of the Lord out loud. And that is an element of things that until my kids were older and I got to see how bold they were in talking about things of the Lord, I didn't realize the power of those little conversations, those little times when we would just discuss what God was teaching us, how impactful that had been on their lives and their habits and really shaped their walk with the Lord in very, very profound ways that we would have never, never, ever thought of. But you have to let go of that perfectionism, that complication, that making sure everything is lined up and perfect before you start and just start, like David said, with God's word and a good discussion. Well, and that's the spirit, Deuteronomy 6, right? The way that you disciple and you pass down your faith is in these in-between times. It is while you are living it is while you are walking through life with your children, your children have to be around you in order to be able to do this. So you have that time element, but there's no special book, which is one of my pet peeves. I think we're too reliant on books to be able to study the Bible. Just yeah. pick up the Bible and read it. And you talk about you know, what you read in your devotions. You talk about a verse maybe that you're memorizing. You talk about a situation that maybe the child is having with a friend or something like that. And you say, this reminds me of another story that I read in the Bible or that I read in my devotions or a story of 
you know, when I was younger and I was your age, you go through, I'm just giving out examples, but I mean, this is the way it happens. This is actually the number one way that it happens. And we overcomplicate this. Well, and really building off of what you kind of alluded to it there when you were talking about as you walk, as you're talking about what the Lord is teaching you and so on, discipleship is leveraging what you are learning in Christ for the good of another person. And so another thing that complicates or keeps people back from discipling their children is this fear of failure because they don't feel like they can do it because they aren't growing themselves. And so the primary thing You have got to be growing in Christ if you are going to be discipling your children. You can't leverage lessons that you're not learning. But as you are growing in Christ, even if you're starting from a hole, even if you have no foundation whatsoever, you still are able to take all of those things that God is showing you and leverage those on behalf of your children and the impact of your testimony and of how the kids are seeing The Lord transform you. The impact of that cannot be overstated. And that is authentic and intentional. And that is what Teach Them Diligently discipleship is all about. Yeah. I mean, it is something that just, it happens organically. Mm -hmm. It really does. And so you're talking about this fear, right? I, I remember one of the most crazy memories I have was when we were working with the editor when you were writing Heart School. And they were on a Zoom call, and this woman it lives in England, and she knows some people that homeschooled. She's not even a Christian, and she reads your book, and then she goes, you know, I think that the reason why parents don't feel like they can homeschool is because they're not even sure they're doing a good job as parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was insightful because she's single. She's not even there. No, that's right. And it kind of blew us both yeah. away because you're like, I think you're right. And we're not saying that you're a bad parent. What we're saying is, is that you're insecure about being a good parent. Like you're not sure you're really doing a good job, which is a common thing. Satan whispers those lies all the time. It happens constantly to us as well. And so when you hear that and you're like, I'm not sure I'm a good parent, let alone a good discipler. I'm not sure I'm a good parent, let alone a good homeschooler. How in the world can I do this? I got to go get some help. Let me go get that children's pastor down the road to be able to disciple my child so I don't mess them up. And we're back to the 50% of parents who think that it's the church's job to disciple our kids. Yeah. So, so many parents think they are the hindrance Mm -hmm. to their children coming to Christ, where actually the Lord sees it exactly the opposite. He sees you as the facilitator to your children coming to Christ. He wants you to be the one to bring your children to Christ. He knows that you're imperfect. He knows that you might be messed up in a particular area. But for whatever reason, he delights in using his people in his ministry. So you got the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus wants to pray and thank the Lord, the Father, for the food, and then he wants to hand it back to you and then let you distribute it. That's what he wants. And that's the way this was supposed to work. This is the way discipleship works. This is the way homeschooling works. Because really, homeschooling has a lot more to do with parenting than actually teaching in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And so homeschooling is discipleship. It is a fantastic tool for discipleship. That's right. It gives you time. It gives you conversations. It gives you intentionality. It is a great tool for And so the Lord wants to use you. Mm -hmm. 
And so you're the facilitator. You're the one that the Lord has said, okay, I've taught you this. Now go and hand this to your children. And so many parents right now, 50%, according to these statistics, are going, no, no, I can't do that. And, you know, ultimately, discipleship is not a list of checkboxes. It is a way of life. Discipleship, and that's what hard schooling is all about. It is marrying being a great parent, a parent that's going for the heart of your children with using that tool of homeschooling as just that, a tool to give you opportunity, to give you conversations. And and we'll keep working this out just in pretty much every conversation because it's relevant to all these different topics. But for today, I really hope that you've really gotten this idea of the fact that your calling is simple, but it is profoundly important. The Great Commission starts right there in your home, and you have the platform and the privilege of bringing your children to Jesus. And really, none of these complications should get in the way of that. No outsourcing. This is your privilege to do it. And I hope and pray that this has been an encouragement to you to do just that. And then next week, I want us to dive in, David, to some of the hows. I want us to look at how Jesus discipled and what we as parents can extract from that and learn from that as we put legs to this call that we have. Yeah. I mean, I think we started a little bit of that this week where we talked about just pick up the Bible and start reading it, right? Just keep it simple. Yep. You know, that is where you start, but we can actually dive into this even more next week and actually um, get even deeper into it. Yes. Right. That's the next layer. We can kind of take this to the next layer next week. But to start, just pick the Bible up and read it with your children and then ask them what they think about it. And then, you know, read it yourself as well. Sing some songs together. That's simple right there. And you've already got the first layer. And start now. Start at dinner. Start at, you know, in your morning time, whatever the time is that works best for your family. And every family is going to be unique. We, through the years did a lot of this at the breakfast table, honestly. There was so much sharing because we both got up and did our devotions in the morning. And so it was a natural overflow to share that with the kids and then to get those conversations started. And then we would come back together with David in the evenings before bedtime to read a little bit together. That was a little bit more formal devotions time. And I use formal very, very, very loosely because in our family, nothing is formal. Everything (laughs) is easily falls into (laughs) chaos and craziness. But that's part of the culture that we have created here. But just start with right where it works for you. Start by having those conversations. Start by recognizing your call to bring your children to Jesus and start looking for every opportunity that you can to do just that day in and day out. I think you'll be amazed at what you'll find when you're looking for those times. That's right. All right. Well, I hope that you have a great rest of your week. Be sure that you check in with us again next week as we're going to go deeper into this subject. But in the meantime, would you share our podcast with others? It would mean the world to us. If you would send this to some of your friends, let them know the type of content that we're talking about. We would really love to be able to reach and encourage as many families as we could with the truths from God's word and some of these helps for families that are looking to disciple and educate their children well. 
If you would leave us a five-star rating and a review, that would help us immensely as well because the algorithms and all of that really feed off of those ratings and reviews. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll see some stars. Click the five stars there. Click write a review. It would mean so very, very much to us if you would do that for us. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you found this episode to be very practical and encouraging and that you've got some great takeaways to start implementing in your heart school right away. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash podcast to catch up on all the episodes and to learn more about the other resources and experiences Teach Them Diligently offers families like yours. Subscribing and leaving a rating and review for the Teach Them Diligently podcast is a very practical way you can join in our ministry of encouraging Christian homeschool families around the country. Would you take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review? It would mean the world to us if you would. Thanks in advance for your kindness, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon.